Oh? Yes, weird day in the parish. Now, some normal stuff. I wake up, I do my holy hour, have a funeral, normal sort of stuff. But uh, some some crazy person was calling and leaving my secretary harassing messages. Oh, I saw you say something about this. Super weird. Yeah. Um, and just saying like really weird stuff. And it's not like this guy knew uh, who she was. I think he just called the parish and started leaving harassing messages. Yeah. Uh, so that was weird and bad. And so we've got to file a police report for that and figure like, out how to do it. Like, that. how bad? Like, can you, I mean, yeah, I, I don't Okay, wanna... so it's not like bad. It's uh, just, okay, listener discretion advised just a little bit. Um, but was going on about stem cells and how she was an abortionist because she believed in stem cells. First of all, none of this stuff is, is even remotely true but just kept calling her an abortionist and that you oh. know when they see her at the store they're gonna point her out and call her an abortionist and stuff oh my gosh so like threatening and weird and he was like laughing the entire time it sounded like someone who was off his meds or something yeah. it was weird right yeah and uh um so like you're know, just talking with her uh, about that and she's i mean don't get me wrong she is one tough lady mm-hmm. and uh if if she ever sees this dude in the street i'm more worried about him than i am about her to be perfectly honest uh, i love her to death she's amazing um so like that happened mm-hmm. and then you, i'm doing marriage paperwork and all this stuff and i'm uh driving out uh to do other things and uh i see in one of our garages and we have a bunch of garages around this one parish building uh like a bunch of graffiti on the door it says 666 and wake up and it's like this evil face right and I'm like, oh, what, what, what Go is this? grab the blessed salt or the holy well, okay. water. So, <laughs> at the time, at the time, because like my mind's racing with just everything that goes on in a parish day. Yeah. I'm like, ah, stupid kids. I pull over to the side. I take a picture. I call our maintenance people. And then uh, I go to do my next, next, you know, task. Then I was like, ah, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll run this by uh, our diocesan guy who handles demonic type stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, his advice was to get paint thinner to remove the images and then to do a uh, minor exorcism on the building. Also, he thought my car was in there. He said, make sure you do a minor exorcism just to be safe on your car, too, because if the garage is cursed, then stuff inside there is cursed. Um, now, in there, just a bunch of storage stuff for a parish festival. And who knows if there will ever be any parish festivals ever again. So whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so he did that. And then just told me to uh, watch out for any other kind of objects or weirdness going around the parish. You know, hmm. keep your security tight and that kind of thing. Um, but a few interesting, interesting things he says. And make sure you get rid of that pretty soon because if other wackos see it, they'll be attracted to it. Um, and then he just, he's a great guy. I love him so much. He was like, make sure, you know, just, just stay frosty. I was like, okay, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I part, I think it's probably some stupid kids, but yeah. you know, even you, if stupid kids, you can let in bad stuff when you yeah. do stuff like that. Yeah. So just weird. And then, um, huh. so after all that, I'm on my, I, I, uh, this is day one of taking my anxiety medication. And one of the, um, side effects is drowsiness, which oh. I didn't experience that much today. Um, yeah. but I took a little nap and it, it's one of those naps. I woke up and I felt like I was in a different universe. Mm-hmm. Like my, my head has never been that much of like a cloud, uh, if you will. So like, so that happened. I was trying to like wake up and then I get a call to the hospital and it's like somebody that I've anointed before and I'm trying to figure out what's going on, but I just, I show up anyway and just had a really, um, 
you know, just more ministry in that regard. And it was just, uh, and now it's, my goodness, it's in the evening and now we're podcasting. I just did a blessing uh, for a hot chip challenge for my yep. friend Taylor Stroll. Yeah. Uh, they're doing some like, I don't know, ministry. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what I knew is that two guys were eating hot chips and they wanted the blessing. So I whipped up a beautiful hot chip blessing. Nice. Um, and so that, that was my day. It was nice. a full day. It was a day of priests. A lot of weird stuff, but huh. uh, here we are. That's, uh, I've never had, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen any like satanic graffiti yet. Uh, one thing that happened to us at, when we're at our cathedral is people, we had like these two stone tablets that someone donated a long time ago, the 10 commandments. Yeah. And people kept on like the first tablet got kicked and destroyed. And then the second one finally, eventually got kicked and destroyed. So that, that is the only, and it, they got them remade, but now they've put them up against the wall of the the outside of the church so that you can't just you can't just kick them down yeah. anymore that's the only thing i've really seen now which is odd only because apparently like victoria is one of the highest places per capita for like new ageism and occultism mm. yeah um so i'm surprised we haven't seen more but i'm not complaining i haven't yeah <laughs> right I'm not complaining i haven't so yeah it's just you got yeah but it's like yeah you just you bless it you don't know so it doesn't hurt to bless things, yeah. right? It's like, and it's great. You're a priest. You can just do that. Yeah. So I'm going to do that tomorrow morning. And uh, there you go. There we uh, go. Huh. Yeah. That's cool. That's a very full uh, day. <laughs> it was. It was weird. <laughs> um, but hey, welcome to Clerically Speaking. I'm Father Anthony. I'm Father Harrison. So, okay. I've had a full day too. Not, it wasn't all intended as ought happens as a priest. In that things come your way that you weren't expecting, <laughs> yeah. that end up taking up your entire morning. Mm-hmm. That's what happened today, and I don't know what to say. I, I, it's you know, just remember, folks, that your priests are working very hard to make your churches safe and open at this time. Oh, it's the worst. Oh, trying to trying to figure out how to get and people every time into you make buildings. a decision, mm-hmm. everyone's got an opinion. Now, listen, like I, I I was seeking out some help, which was super helpful. But like, I'm not an idiot. I'm not just gonna do stuff without talking to people. I mean, and listen, like some of the complaints actually brought some stuff. I'm like, okay, some of that's fair. Some of it I'm gonna have to address later. But yeah. um, we're just trying to do our best. <laughs> and I don't know. I, it's just one of those days. I'll be honest. I'm feeling a little yeah. beat down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'm just like, ugh. I I get I I and I it means what it tells me is I have to pray extra today because um because it's the only protection against becoming jaded and not caring. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying this this little bit did that. I'm just saying those things those those little rocks pile yeah, up over time. They can pile up. They actually. pile up. And so I'm just I don't know. Um, I'll be honest. I'm just gonna be honest. I'm gonna bear my heart. I'm just feeling a little beat down today. Yeah. Um. And I'm and then and I still got phone calls to return that I haven't even had a chance to return yet, and um, and I haven't even touched my paperwork that I needed to get through that I was hoping to get through today, um, but like I at the same time I'm 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 excited what we're going to be able to do is we are going to be able to reduce our masses on the weekend now, because what we're going to do is we're going to create our balcony to become a second space, so then now we can ha- it'll be separate entrance and everything and then we should be able to fit 80 to 85 people total into the church but because they're two separate spaces under the bc health guide 
uh, from our health officer that ca- that constitutes a separate space. So we actually have less than 50 people in each space. So we're fine, which is good. And it'll be kind of yeah. nice to have a fuller church, even though it's going to be very spread out. And, um, but it's just, and here's the thing, even with that, I'm just waiting for the complaints because they're going to come. You know, it's just, it's just, I just, I don't know. I guess it's just, okay. Well, there's two things. Okay. Okay. There's two things. First, first, I want actually about your earlier thing about your secretary Mm -hmm. folks. One thing that you can do that's really great. Drop off a nice thank you card or a little gift to the parish secretaries. They Uh put up with more. (laughs) Then they're paid for. <laughs> they are their priest's first line of defense. My secretaries yeah. have taken so much flack for exactly. me. And mine they... does too. She, they're the complaints <laughs> department. They're amazing. They, they're they take, amazing. They're like Christ for us, right? They are the, <laughs> they like, it's really like this, are. <laughs> uh, they're taking on our, our sins. Christ, guardian angel, everything. Do something nice for your parish secretary, especially right now, I'd say, because they have to put up with so much with all of this. And um, I think... It's important. We don't have to do it all the time, but I think it's important to show gratitude. But I guess, okay, you wanted to say something, so I'll let you say something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before I, I think may it's say something I shouldn't say. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. The, the temptation is, like, I've got a, a parish of, um, you know, several thousand uh, parishioners. And I think this is the case for most priests, that there will be, like, five to ten parishioners who will take up most of your energy. Mm-hmm. Because they are either always combative or complaining about everything or nothing you do is good enough. Um, and it's so easy to listen to the few loud negative voices. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, a lot of your parishioners either are just like, hey, there's mass, cool. And they don't think much more about you other than that. Like, oh, good, there's a priest there. Um, and a lot of others are really appreciative of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so the, the struggle for me has been, okay, there are these people. They've got stuff going on. They're... Um, taking it out on either the parish or you, but you can't give those people all of your energy. Mm-hmm. Yes, give them pastoral care, all of that, sure. But they will really drain you uh, and take up your time and your psyche, right? Um, you'll be wondering what mass they go to because they're, you're, they're going to critique something you said in your homily no matter what. Like This is a thing that it's just always like these thorns in your side. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, who knows what's going on with them? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you know what they're going through and what they're dealing with, I'm not saying not to be pastoral to them, but like you can't let them take all your energy because it will drive you crazy. I know it's just, but it's not, it's, it's not always them, right? It's just then, I guess the thing is, it's like maybe here's the thing. Okay, I'm gonna offer one little, and I'm not trying to be the kind of guy who's complaining all the time, but at the same time, just a little, a little suggestion. If you have an opinion about a decision that is made. Instead of sending an email right away or making a phone call right away or asking for an appointment right away, pray about it for two days. And if you think it is still worth talking to the priest about, then do it. But also you're going to be doing it from a place of peace now rather than, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm a little, like I said, I'm a little <laughs> Yeah, Father Harris is in a dark place. I will say this though, like Hello, I, I, my old friend. <laughs> I will take a thousand one-on-one uh, meetings over one email. Like it, it's a chance to actually meet someone, talk to them, have them tell you what's going on because there's there's so much that's not possible in communication via an email, yeah. right? Like I, it's hard for me to be father to you via email, mm-hmm. um, but like the I mean I've had times where I've met with pressures who have been upset about something, and if they meet with me one on one, the result is always a hundred percent better. 
Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean everyone gets their way. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, yeah, I don't get my way, and sometimes I'm wrong. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But just that meeting and that connection, because we we this happens. This is something that we talked about a little bit when we recorded with our Catching Foxes friends. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so tough because it's so easy to make it priests versus laity, mm-hmm. right? And we both have reasons to be cranky about the other ones. But mm-hmm. in a family, there are no sides. Right, exactly. And so the tough thing for both of us is to remember, like, there are no sides. We're I one know. family. I know. And so keeping that in mind, like, yeah, sometimes dad is a jerk or screws up or is wrong. Yeah. Um, but you've got to treat that as you would treat it in a healthy family. Just try to. And yeah, you know what? Sometimes that parishioner is not going to want to hear it. Sometimes mm-hmm. that priest not going to want to hear it. And that's really tough. That's really tough. Um but uh, it's our duty to kind of try. So it's okay that you're a little bit cranky today, Father Harrison. Thank you. So, sometimes we're cranky. I know. I know I, just, I've been there. I, I just want to like devour a pizza tonight or something like that. You should do this. You I should may, treat I may, yourself. I may do this. Yes. Eat a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> but now uh, right. we're not feasting on pizza. We're going to feast on some tweets in the Suma Tweetalogica. Summa Tweetalogica Summa Tweetalogica Summa Tweetalogica Summa Tweetalogica We talk about This tweet is from Monica Sens, and she tweets. You're not gonna. At, you're not gonna. You're not gonna say what the Summa is. No, I'm not gonna say what the Summa is. Okay, fine. The Summa Theologica was Saint Thomas Aquinas' summary of theology. The Summa Tweetologica is our summary of things we found interesting on Twitter. There we for, go. There we go. Time. All right. Sorry. Continue. No, no, that was good. That was important. Uh, Monica Sens tweets out this. Today I stepped on a nail. So her husband told me to put my foot up, take the night off, and catch up on 48 hours. And if I had known all along that all I needed to do to get a night off was step on a nail, I'd be looking a lot more like Jesus right now. (laughs) It reminds me of a a story. I was um, at a wedding a few months ago. Mm -hmm. And so uh, friends of mine, uh, husband and wife, and they had their kids there. And, uh, you know, they... Uh, the husband took the kids back to the hotel because, you know, throughout the young family, throughout their lives, either um, the wife has been, you know, either you know, having kids or nursing or that sort of thing. So can't really have too many drinks, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't have time to like hang out. And he just took the kids and said, hey, you stay here and just party and just mm-hmm. enjoy yourself for a while. And like stuff like Monica's story and that story or seeing that with my own married friends, um, it brings a lot of joy to my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, these little things that uh, these couples do for each other to show each other love, these little sacrifices. And sometimes they feel, and they are very big sacrifices as well. But um, I think sometimes in my priesthood, I can think about, okay, what do I have to do? All right, so what do I have to do? To be... But like seeing them do extra stuff that they don't have to do, but they just do it out of love, is a reminder to me to be on the lookout for things that I don't have to do, but I can do to show people love right. and uh so i'm just really thankful for the complementarity of married people and uh you know religious because it's just a good reminder of right. like they they 
show concrete examples of love throughout their lives. And when I get to see that, it's very edifying for me and a good reminder for me. So I really like this. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, and I think hopefully in moments like this now, um, Nick will just say to Monica, hey, do you what? It's been a tough couple of weeks. Why don't you just take a night off? I'm sure. Right. I'm sure now that we've said this on the podcast, <laughs> Nick will say this, will do this willingly out of love for his wife. Right. She doesn't right? even have to step on a nail. She can just. And not, and not just um, Nick and Monica, but any couple who listens will right. start. You are all now held to account by this podcast. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, I think it was, just, it was, it was also just a funny tweet, but it's, um, yeah, it, this, these little gestures that people do. And sometimes like, yeah, this is something that's giving you life. It's been tough or you've just been doing a lot of work. I'm going to I'm gonna take on the extra burden right now. And it's always done in different ways, right? And it's not, again, so then it doesn't become a competition of who's doing what. It's uh, we're in this together. And sometimes that means you need rest. Sometimes that means I need rest, whatever it is in the in relationship. But it, it's, it's a, it's a, yeah, I almost don't have anything else to add because it's just, it's a beautiful form of love. Yeah. And I think it's also, uh, so I had a kind of a not great experience with a, a, a priest at one point in time. I was, I think, taking a mass for one of my other guys at the parish. And this other priest has said, you know, make sure you write that down. Make sure you keep track of that sort of stuff. And I was like, what? Because the last thing I want to do is do like a, a, a tit for tat kind of thing mm-hmm. where it's like, well, I, you know, I did a favor for you. Now you have to do a favor for me because that's not what love is, you know, uh, but that can be a temptation when mm-hmm. you've got multiple priests in one place mm-hmm. to be like, uh, and luckily I'm very blessed. Uh, the, the times I've either been quarantined or away, uh, the other parochial vicar here has just done stuff for me just just had my back so i want to make sure i do that for him too not as a to keep the you know the score sheet even because that's just what you do for your brothers mm-hmm. uh, and it has to be the same way in marriage and in friendship you just do it because you care for the other person yeah yeah all right this one's from h vatican flag at cshmjk thank you for making your name totally easier for everyone to remember yeah. <laughs> uh, the Marie Kondo method but instead we ask is it helping me become a saint or not and uh, so for those who don't know who Marie Kondo is it's just like does this, does this bring me joy is is the question is you have to still ask playing? do people still do she still have a show is this even I have no idea I know okay. who she is I don't care because right. if I had to follow her method I would have to get rid of a lot of my library and I refuse I refuse. I refuse because I'm a, I'm a good materialist in the sense of like that. <laughs> in the sense of like not materialist as like pure materialism, but as in the material world makes manifest God, and God manifests Himself to me through books. So, <laughs> to Marie Kondo's method. However, um, so yeah, she says it's this idea is this bring you joy. If it doesn't bring you joy, you should get rid of it, mm-hmm. and you should to declutter your life and to make your life more simple. Um, so this is kind of where the joke is, right? It's this idea like is this uh, this but it's actually a great question. It is, it's kind of Ignatian in, in many ways, right? Because Ignatius's principle and purpose is that we have been created to praise, love, and serve God our Lord, and by this mean may save our souls, and that all other means, whether richer or poor, um, um, successful or unsuccessful, um, married or or, lay, or, or or single or whatever it might be that whatever whatever I find myself in, I can praise, love, and serve God our Lord in that. Mm-hmm. And so the question now becomes: It's like so for 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 Ignatius, the principle and foundation is really 
the signpost of how you do discernment in everything. And so now with this, what she's saying here, like this is the idea. So I need to be a saint. That is my principle and purpose of life, which is how I come to praise, serve, and love our God, our Lord. Okay, so is what I'm doing right now making me a saint? Is this helping me praise, serve, and love God, our Lord? Now, there are dangers with this too, because we can become our own judges of holiness. Mm. And we can think, well, I think this is what it means to be holy. And we can quickly, when we set up the standard ourselves, rather than rooting it in prayer, in reflection with scripture, the church's teaching, and a community of friends who can help keep us in check, at least. We might not have a spiritual director, but at least having a community of friends whom I can talk to, that's how you can ensure that your decisions aren't just what I think it means to be a saint, but you have the confirmation of the church's tradition and the communion of the church to help give you the confirmation that your decisions are helping you go the right way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's another danger in that where you can over discern things. Yes. And forget like, like for example, uh, I went to McDonald's before the podcast. Like, um, what would bring me to greater holiness? A quarter pounder with cheese or some chicken nuggets? And it mm. sounds silly, but sometimes like our brains get get a little bit crazy. Yeah. Or um, you know, uh no. Um, you know, spending an hour playing video games, uh, is that gonna somehow get me holier? But it's also sometimes okay for things just to be right. Okay, right. Like like busted to be okay, um, right? Carlos, right? He played video games once a week, right? Um, or like once you know, week. is it okay to read a book of fiction just uh, for funsies, right? Um, because like, we have you know, well, and but here's the thing: those things can actually be means to becoming a saint, because leisure is where we enter into God's rest. There you go. Right. Yeah. So, like, you don't want to over-discern um, everything. But, for right. example, for me, something concrete for me today, uh, one of the things that I very much like to do is when I eat lunch or breakfast, I like to pull up the YouTube and watch a uh, news video. Not, like, news news, but professional wrestling news. I have several professional <laughs> wrestling news channels that I watch, and I enjoy them very much. But, you know, last few weeks I've been realizing, man, there's just a lot of noise in my life right mm -hmm. now. And like, I mean, they're always listening to a podcast or to an audiobook or to whatever is going on in the world of professional wrestling. So I blocked uh, YouTube on my phone. Mm -hmm. Not because watching professional wrestling videos is necessarily a moral evil in any sort of way, but it's like, what do I need right now? I need a little bit more silence in my life. Mm -hmm. So stuff like that. Yeah. Um, sometimes just taking like, what is one small concrete step that I can make? Yeah. Or just even realizing, because I came to that realization just like, wow, I'm just, my mind's always racing. I'm always running from task to task. It's not good for me. I don't even like it. Uh, so what can I do to free up a little bit more silence in my life? Right. I think, I'll do this one thing. And this is the thing. When we're making decisions about what it means to become a saint for us, it's not about making every decision in the moment about... Um, choosing God or not in that moment per se, but it's about saying, I think it's almost like it has, it's about building virtue and habits so that you almost become unthinking about them. Yeah. Like, so yeah, at first maybe it does require a bit more intentionality, but the whole point of a habit is that you don't think about it afterwards and you're just going to do it because it's the right thing to do. And you just do it because you know, it becomes, it's, it's what it means to become a saint and you've built up the habit for it. So um, sometimes those choices is, is not so, um, it doesn't have to be like inundating and examining every choice because a lot of them, they're already coming out of this desire to 
become saint. Like, listen, when I when I do the duties of my day as a priest, I am those are choices that um, I just show up and do them. Maybe like because that's what you're supposed to do. That's what's helping me become a saint. And I don't have to put it to examination all the time, but it's a yeah. good it's a good general principle to keep in mind, especially when there are things where we might think, man, is this taking over my life a bit? Yeah, and sometimes it is as simple as just following uh, your heart's desire. Right. There'll be times where, like, I drive around a lot because I live forever away from friends and family, and also I have seven churches, which, I mean, I've been doing less driving since the COVID for sure. Right. But, like, driving time is my time for podcasts and audiobooks. Yeah. And I'll have this experience where, like, I'm driving, it's like, ah, I want to pray a little bit. But then part of my brain's like, no, this is your time for the podcast you like. But I want to pray. Yeah. But you already did your holy hour. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I still just want to pray right now. So just turn off the podcast and pray for a little bit. And if it's only for five minutes and they're like, okay, that was good. That's all I really wanted to do. Then that's okay, too. Sometimes it's just like letting your um, desires override what is your daily routine as well. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Time for presbyteral exhortations. And now it is time for presbyteral exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good. Quite good. Indubitably. Oh, I bet they can't wait to learn. They're going to learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's the best part. Yes. Yes. Quite. Yes. Quite. Uh, before we get into this, yeah. Harrison, how long is the Summa Tweelogica bumper? I have no idea. I feel like people think it's longer than 30 seconds. Okay. And I don't know if that's true or not because I don't listen to it anymore myself. <laughs> Sometimes I, I, I listen. I just never pay attention to time. Right. When okay. I'm listening to a podcast. So I know some people are annoyed by it. But if it's only 30 seconds long, that's two clicks on your phone. Or you can even like uh, make your app so that one click is 30 seconds forward. And if that's the case, then I don't care. Right. But if it's not the case then what if we just shortened it? Like, we still had the whole thing. Not the whole thing, obviously. But we just shortened it to a skippable amount of time. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? I think, why would we take good things away? True, true. Uh, the thing is, like, you know how St. Paul says that he, the people he was talking to, they're not ready for meat. He still has to give them milk. Yeah. And I think, like, some of our listeners... Uh, aren't ready for the meat of the entire Summa Bumper. They don't, they're not spiritually ready for it yet. And so out of respect for those weaker among us, not through their own faults, they're just in a different place in their spiritual life, maybe we could do that. Mm-hmm. Now, I might be just like, maybe it is 30 seconds, I don't know, but just a thing out there. So if you have any any ideas, maybe you can tweet at, uh, at ClericalPod on Twitter and let us know what you think. There you go. Sounds good. You know what we haven't done in a long time? What? Bible talk. All right. We haven't done scripture in a long time. That's true. So let's do a little bit of scripture. All right. So Sounds good. Uh, I think you and I and our other priest friends, we talked a lot about uh, the readings two Sundays ago, the 29th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Mm-hmm. Because especially with everything going on in America, the only place where things happen, because things just don't happen in Canada, it's just nice and fine mm-hmm. and normal and whatever. Um, it seemed very apropos that the Lord gave us those readings. Now, what I want to do in this 
Uh, this is talking about the give to God, what is God's give to um, Caesar, what is Caesar, Caesar. Caesar, right? I don't want to make it like specifically political in the American context, though I'm yeah. sure there'll be examples. So I'm talk about that a little bit. Yeah. But something about this passage, and even the first reading a little bit, we can dive into that a little bit. I think there's just so much here. And because mm-hmm. I really enjoyed talking about it and preaching about it, I think you did as well. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, let's do this on the podcast. Yeah, sure. Sounds good. All righty. I guess we'll start by just uh, reading it. All right. So this is from Gospel of Matthew. The Pharisees went off and plotted how they might entrap Jesus in speech. They sent their disciples to him, the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are a truthful man and that you will teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. And you are not concerned with anyone's opinion, for you do not regard a person's status. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it lawful to pay the census tax to Caesar or not? Knowing their malice, Jesus said, Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin that pays the census tax. Then they handed him the Roman coin. He said to them, Whose image is this and whose inscription? They replied, Caesar's. At that he said to them, Then repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and to God what belongs to God. Whenever I read the gospel out loud and not at Mass, I'm never sure if I should say the gospel of the Lord at the end or not. Do you yeah. ever run into this problem? No. <laughs> so do you do it or not? No, I just don't do it because I'm just reading right. the gospel. I'm just, it's not liturgical. So why would I do a liturgical right. thing in a non-liturgical moment? Because I'm a same because person. Because my, my, my liturgical like instincts, like the uh, the muscle memory makes me want to mm-hmm. say it. I feel like I'm being bad by not saying the gospel right. of the Lord at the end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, All right. So... so. Harrison. Yes. This is this is the 29th Sunday uh, of Ordinary Time. Ooh, pop quiz. How many Sundays in Ordinary Time are there? Well, it's hard to say. It's like 33 or 34, depending on if you include Christ the King as part of the Ordinary Time Sunday cycle. Mm-hmm. Right. Which it kind of uh, does that, because there is a 34th week of Ordinary Time. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, saying 33 sounds nice because that lines up with as many years as Jesus lived, yeah. uh, according to tradition, which is nice. Yeah. But so we're getting towards the end of the liturgical which, year, are we okay. not? Yes. And I'm kind of excited about this because I have lost my volume four of my breviary in my move somehow and I can't find it. So I've had to be praying on my phone every day and I hate it so much and I can't wait to get to – I'm giving myself a couple more weeks because I still have a few more boxes to go through. So I'm wondering maybe it's somewhere else, but if I can't find, it, I'm going to order a new one, but it's just like, I, I, I hate, hate, hate praying the breviary on my phone. I cannot tell you how happy I am that you have said that. Okay. Because last few weeks, I cannot find my breviary. <laughs> oh, good. Either between going to my brother's place or yeah. my friend's place on my day off or my parents' place or whatever, I cannot find it. Yeah. And so I've been using my phone. But the thing is, like, it's very – because I like to do morning prayer and um, office of readings in the chapel during my holy hour. Yeah. But, like, it's – like, whenever I bring my phone into my holy exactly, hour – Exactly, exactly. It's terrible for yeah. my prayer. Exactly. And it's just – it's not the same to pray off the screen. I Listen, I'm not saying it's bad to pray the brief off your phone or anything like that. Yeah. And and there are times where, like, I'm going away for two days and I have to – I'm not trying to pack a lot. Okay, fine. I'll bring the phone with me. Right. But I much – I find it way more prayerful to pray out of a book. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just I and I, I just I find I don't I'm not as reflective as I'm praying in the phone and stuff like that because I'm just scrolling because that's what I'm used to doing. 
Right. So, Your brain is trained. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I'm right there with you. So if you guys could pray that we find our breveries, like we're still doing the Liturgy of the Hours, but like I would like the book, please. I've got nice ribbons in it. For those who don't know, uh, when Advent starts, it's the new liturgical year, but it's also a new book. There's there's four volumes to the breviary that priests have to pray. And one goes for Advent and Christmas. It's the shortest one. Then you get Ordinary Time, volume one, which goes from the first to the 17th Sunday. And then you have Lent and Easter, which goes from Ash Wednesday all the way up to Pentecost. And then you have, then you get back into Ordinary Time, one volume, and then you have Ordinary Time, two volume. And it's ordinary. So when I go, when we start up again, and, and with with uh, Advent, we can just pick up our ordinary t- our, our Advent uh, right. Christmas breveries. See, I always like to divide the uh, ordinary time volumes. There's two of them. So one is the the summer breviary, yeah, and one is the back to school breviary. Because <laughs> whenever you switch back to that second, it was always back to school for right, me. Right, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right, sorry, and, uh, sorry, um, sorry. I just we we got off topic okay. from your topic. All right, so yeah. uh, we, I would 29th Sunday in overtime. We're we're approaching the end of the liturgical year, and so in general, Harrison, what's kind of going on in the readings um, as we approach the end of the year? Jesus is doing a lot of parables and a lot of teaching, um, but I mean, towards the end, it's going to be very apocalyptic in the sense of like um, telling us about our ultimate end and the ultimate end of all things. Yeah, yeah. and then just you know. Uh, what's going on in the story is that uh, the pressure is being ratcheted up. Mm-hmm. The Pharisees and other uh, forces in Israel are getting more and more annoyed at Jesus. Now they're actively plotting against him. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about this is to get some context. So it's um, the Pharisees and the Herodians. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Father Harrison, who are the Herodians? I mean, I guess I've never actually quite been sure. I'm just presuming that these are people who are under, they work with Herod, who is a puppet yeah. of Rome. Right. That's the main thing. Yeah. So uh, Herod and the, the, the story about how the um, the Herod dynasty even got in place is very much enmeshed in uh, Rome and other things. But they, yeah, yeah. The main point of this is that they are um, the secular powers that are actively subservient to Rome. Mm-hmm. So they're not like really good uh, Jews because they're kind of subservient to Rome. And the problem with that is other than not being, you know, free as God's people. uh, Also, Caesar has declared himself a god and that's a problem. Okay, the Pharisees, for all of their faults, and there are many and we will talk about some of them here. um, Their whole idea was to take the rules of the temple and to live them out in everyday life. Mm hmm. So as a way of um, enhancing uh, their identity as God's people, a way to try to bring about holiness. So the idea is like there's certain rules and stuff for how you worship, how you sacrifice at the temple. And the idea was to bring this out into daily life, which on paper, not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. But they use their knowledge of all of that to kind of uh, either oppress people or to um, become incredibly scrupulous or um, to put the law above the purpose of the law. Mm -hmm. Is that fair? Mm -hmm. But in our story, the point is that these two factions do not like each other, Mm -hmm. but they're willing to work together. Why? To take down Jesus. To take down Jesus, because Jesus is a threat. Yeah. So I was thinking about this, and thinking about the context in uh, the West, 
And I think there's a lot of times, I think a lot of times Christians kind of jump to the idea of being persecuted. Like every little thing is like, oh no, we're being persecuted. I think sometimes you have a little bit of what you would see uh, in the early church. What you sometimes see in early church is uh, Christians being very excited to be martyred. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, Because that was going to be their way to heaven. And so not a willingness to be martyred, Mm -hmm. but you see the story of origin that he really, really wanted to be martyred. He wanted Mm -hmm. to run out in the street. Oh, there's persecution. I get to go die. Right. It's almost like uh, trying to get the fast pass to heaven. Yeah. And that approach to martyrdom is not good. Right. And I see something while not that intense. Sometimes I kind of see that in in, in popular uh, Christian culture. Mm-hmm. Like we're very excited for any kind of bad news because oh, the church is going to be persecuted. Right. Um. And that kind of worries me. Right. Like Jesus. Jesus didn't go out chasing the cross right away. He nope. waited for the hour. For his hour. Yeah. And it's not to say that like hey. Yes, we live in a culture of death. Mm-hmm. Um, secularism is is on the rise. It's uh, we live very much so in a pulse, post-Christian world. Uh, I agree with all of that. I do agree that there are people, even powerful people, that would very much like to see the church go away. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just don't think that there is. I think the the idea that the church is being persecuted is a bit overblown. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think the reason is because they don't need to persecute us. Okay. Because I don't think Christians are a threat to them, to R- their power. Okay. So by them, I mean either just the, the powers of the secular world, whether they be businesses or political powers. I don't think they see Christianity as a, a threat to their order. And, I, and you see that, and this is the one thing that has very much bothered me about the election right now, is that in the past, the past like month, it seems like both candidates have like scrambled to get the Christian vote, and so they do these kind of shows to show that they're Christian or whatever, and it's very easy to to win mm-hmm. um, one side or the other. Uh, I was listening to the Word on Fire guys, and they were talking about how basically. Catholics are split down the middle, Republican and Democrat mm-hmm. in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And in one sense, you could read that as good because mm-hmm. Catholic social teaching does not fit into either party. Mm-hmm. But in another sense, you can read that as bad because the fact that Catholics are split basically in the same way that the rest of the country is split signals to me that like we haven't been living differently. Right. Yeah. And we haven't been calling our politicians to accounts. We don't make them work for our votes. Right. Because they already have it. Yeah. It's like we're not really a threat to them. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to gang up on us because they don't need to. Right. Um, yeah, but sometimes they will, I think. Sure. I think okay, I yeah, think yeah. the day may come where even if you're not being a threat, they will. They might come. I don't, but who knows? We can't say. You don't, you don't have the facts yet. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know. We just, I just don't worry about the future too much in that sense because I'm like, Tomorrow bring will tomorrow bring, and, yeah. I, and often I can't like when it comes to large stage stuff. Anyways, I can't really control that. So why am I worrying about it? Yeah, and like I could be wrong on this. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely. I mean, because there definitely are. Um, there are players who really do want to hurt the church. Yes, that is true. Um, but I think uh, maybe the point of this uh, reflection of mine is 
are we as Catholics a threat to the institutional order? Right. And I don't mean that we have to be violent revolutionaries or something like that, Mm -hmm. but are we being prophetic? Right. Are we shaking things up? Are we calling uh, the secular order to the common good? Right. Uh, Or are we not? So when I was preaching on this, I said that the church's church's primary, I said, you know, there's been times in the church's history where she has aligned herself with certain political powers. I've yet to see when that's worked out well. Um, if it does work out, like if you pick a good emperor, they'll protect you for until that emperor dies. Exactly. And the next and one, it never has, it never mess. has good long-term results. And then they want to name your bishop yeah, and exactly. them, and it's exactly. a big mess. It's a big mess. And then Gregory VII has to come along and impose celibacy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's some deep cuts of church history for you. Uh, no. But, uh, um, so I was preaching on this and saying that the church's primary role isn't, war or rule it's prophecy Hmm. right this is our role and this is part of this is like this is what jesus is um is trying to do with his saying like he's trying to relativize caesar's power he's saying yeah especially uh, listen remember we have to always remember when we're hearing the liturgical readings the first reading is always there to help you interpret the gospel and vice versa so the first reading is god saying yeah all these guys I'm the guy with the power. That's God to all these emperors. You might not know who I am, he says, but like, hey, no, no, I'm the dude with the power. And so that helps you interpret what Jesus is trying to say. He's not trying to do a nice split between Caesar and God and to say Caesar has his legitimate domain. Because here's the thing. Caesar has no legitimate domain because of what he claims to be. So, if that's the case, then the church has to stand in kind of a prophetic stance towards the world. Whereby, and with how was that prophetic stance? It's the cross. That is the state, as I've said it before, it's the natural state of the church. And the church is most herself when she's most crucified. Not in the sense of being persecuted, but actually embracing her mission to save the world, which means a suffering, which means, so like the way, like the way I kind of took this was saying that if you think politics are going to save and if you put all your energies into this you've misunderstood the gospel i'm not saying there's not a space or a way for us to work in the political sphere but the most the best things we can often do is concretely on the ground to our neighbor to those who are poor to those unwed mothers to um to those who are dying etc the lonely like that is where we do our work which changes one heart at a time. And when you do that, you're being prophetic. You're, you're, you're letting Christ shine out through you to this person. They may or may not want to know why you're doing this, but they're, you're, you are doing, you are actually living the church's mission. We don't, that doesn't mean we have to all go out and all, and do a billion things, but we all need to go do one thing. We all need to go do one thing. And then when we do that, and if every, if every Catholic in North America, actually lived some sort of element of service to those in need through, which all, like if I was going on, like this requires sacrifice of time, money, living less comfortably than we actually do and to be okay with that. And the only then when we start to see Christianity as a way rather than just what I do on Sunday, 
then the gospel really starts to flourish and to become a prophecy to the world to say, this is where God's reign is. Come on in. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the thing that's um, bothered me about uh, some of the talk about abortion in, in Catholic circles. Yeah. Uh, that there's seems to be two camps. The one camp is uh, abortion is the preeminent and only pro-life issue. And another camp that says, no, 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 what is just as important as fighting abortion is uh, fighting uh, poverty, euthanasia, and these sort of things. Mm-hmm. And like both of those models, they, they don't make sense. They don't work. What, what, what makes, how it actually works is, in my opinion, is that uh, abortion is most certainly the most poisonous fruit from the tree of the culture of death. It is the fruition of an entire culture. It is the most poisonous. Mm-hmm. But the roots of that tree, like you can you can go after it and try to get rid of all the fruit. But if you but the best way to do it, and really the only way to do it permanently, is to get rid of the roots. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I, I, okay. I, 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 you finish your point. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, the thing is, the roots of that tree are in our hearts and the hearts of, of Christians as well. Yeah. Every single time we do something which removes the dignity of another human being you are saying that their life does not matter. Yeah. And it can be as small as when you gossip and you kill someone's reputation, you're saying that person is not deserving of a reputation. Yeah. And because they aren't really a person deserving of dignity to me. When a crazy person calls my secretary and starts yelling at her, he's not treating her as a human being. He's treating her as an object to put his hate upon, right? When we flip out at somebody in the grocery store, uh, when we ignore the poor, we're saying your life actually not as valuable. When we use contraception, you're saying that I get to decide how life works. Mm-hmm. I get to be the master of life. God does not get a say in this. All these things infest the culture with this idea that we actually can decide mm-hmm. how valuable life is. Right. If you follow that those roots to its conclusion, that's how you get abortion. Yeah. That's how it happens. So yes, abortion is a preeminent issue because it is the most objectively evil thing that our culture does. Yeah. But in order to get rid of that fruit, you have to rip up the entire tree. And so things, and, and it's complicated, but let's put aside the question of the death penalty for right now, okay? But not uh, somewhat put it to the side. Yeah. The attitude of vengeance that is that replaces justice in so many of our hearts like just kill him just murder him right oh my goodness that's a part of that tree as well okay aside from the legitimacy of um the death penalty or not that attitude is a dangerous and evil attitude to have Mm -hmm. and it's in many of our hearts yeah okay so this is the other point I was actually making in my homily, which is we often think that culture is top down. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> not at all. Culture is concretely lived in a community in a communion, um, especially Catholic, like a quote unquote Catholic culture. But um, so culture comes from concrete actions towards our neighbor, etc. So again, I'm not saying that there aren't top down issues, like, so I give you, I gave an example, actually. I, I said, it, it, uh, I used a cute example. I said, 
Did you know that under Section 71 of the Criminal Code of Canada, that it is still illegal to participate in any way, shape, or form in a duel? In a duel. And I said, how many people here want to have a duel right now? <laughs> well, now that you mention it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. But nobody <laughs> does. was harassing my right. secretary, I challenge you, sir, to, to a duel. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Um, no, but this dueling is not really a part of our culture anymore. But the law is still on the book, but it's impotent. I said, you see, because we've created a culture through experience and values in our local communities that made this unthinkable. Because I said, listen, like in Canada, I don't see abortion laws going anywhere anytime soon. I'm sorry. I'm not saying that we can't do political activism on this, but we're just too much of a minority here to have an effective change in that regard. Uh, I'm not saying we shouldn't push politically and stuff in these regards, but we have to be realistic about some things about this too. But where we can make changes is that unwed mother who's raising her single child because she chose to keep them life. I'm going to babysit her kid for 10 hours a week for free just so she can go work and not have to worry about paying a babysitter. Mm -hmm. Um, That this is uh, that I'm going to volunteer at my local pregnancy center, that I am going to go serve the poor, that those who are alone and at the end of life, I'm going, okay, maybe we can't visit them right now. I'm going to call them. So they don't choose death, right? Over and over again, this is how you build a cultural life. Like, So I know I shared two weeks ago that story of Christopher. I used yeah. that story again in my homily. Um, but um, this, but and that, not just that story, but then actually like my whole experience with the Missionaries of Charity, we had 20 people die when I was there for four, those four months. How many of them do you think asked us to see if there was a way for us to euthanize them? Zero. I have no idea. Oh. Zero. Because they were loved. They were loved. I did share this. I'll share one other quick story about that. Just we had a guy named Wayne who was, he, they found him in a gutter in the um, Tenderloin area, which is like the really bad part of downtown San Francisco, having a stroke. And they brought him and they said, he's, he's dead in 24 hours. He lived for eight more months. Wow. Yeah. Because he was loved. Because people cared for him and set aside their time and life to look after him. And this is what we need to like. I think that's, if you want to build a culture of life, that's where it actually starts. Not saying like, it's like saying, yeah, the political stuff has a place and it's, it has, it's got its, it's got its importance, but actually the energy should be much more on the grassroots local level. Yeah. So I, yeah, I agree yeah. with okay. 98%. I just, I, one yeah. adjustment, there is a teaching aspect to the law. When something becomes legal, it does right. inform the culture, right? So there's a little bit of that as well. Right. Uh, yeah, but, and I'm not yes, saying, I'm I not, yeah, no, and right. I, I would, that's what I'm saying, don't ignore it completely. But I'm right. just saying, for most of us, that big level stuff, we can't do a whole, whole lot about that. Right. Okay, good. So um, uh, speaking of, of top down stuff and looking for power to uh, fix yeah. things, uh, and since we're, yeah, I want to get to this part. Uh, so, the Pharisees and the Herodians put Jesus in a seemingly impossible position mm-hmm. and because they are in the temple right now. And Jesus Christ says, uh, show me your coin. Show me the coin that you used to pay the census tax. You know that story about the money changers, how Jesus flipped out on them? 
Mm-hmm. The reason why they needed money changers is because you could not have idols in the temple. Hmm. So we have to exchange your image of Caesar on your coin for a coin that could be used in the temple. Hmm. The Pharisees, who are the religious powerhouses oh, of the interesting. time. I never knew this. This is a good They point. have the coin on them in the temple. And so you see where they actually put their trust in. Right. It's not in God. Yeah. If, if their trust was in God, first of all, they would not be working with the Herodians. Yeah. But even though they're trying to set up Jesus, trying to set him up as like, hey, this guy isn't a real prophet because he wants to pay the census tax. They have put their trust in those worldly powers. I think you see this in a lot of churchmen mm-hmm. and a lot of Catholics that while we say on one level, we trust in God. On the other hand, our pockets are full of the coins of Caesar. Mm-hmm. Because when the rubber hits the road, what do we think is actually going to change the world? Pick whatever strong man or strong woman to fix everything for us. It's the same sort of thing that's going on within the church. When we talked about the how we've lacked uh, the Marian nature of the church, we've forgotten mm-hmm. it. This time of trusting in God's providence, of listening, of prayer. Instead, we go to an activism that mm-hmm. it changes the structure. We've gone way off balance. And I think you see that reflected in Catholics' politics mm-hmm. and in their ecclesiology. Mm-hmm. That if we were to look at our own pockets, they are full of coins with the image of Caesar. Mm-hmm. And we can say, it can be easy to say, well, we don't treat our politicians as gods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we, we absolutely do. do. Yeah. Look at all of the energy, emotional and spiritual that goes into yep. electing someone for a job. Mm-hmm. It's it's insane, yeah. you know? And so a Caesar doesn't have to be, or even, you know, a Caesar doesn't have to be even one person. Caesar can be the people. Yes. Well, if we just trust like, oh, this is what the people want. Yeah. No, that's not how this works either. Yeah. So, and with all of this, I think we we need to recall, and this is something I wanted to say on Catching Foxes, but my brain was just so fried when we were recording. Oh my gosh, I was so tired. I hope we made some sense. <laughs> I hope so too. But um, the Catholic vision of truth is never a one or the other. It is a both end. It's paradoxical, right? Which means it holds these things in tension. It's holding... Um, it holds... Um, like yeah life like mercy and justice go together um we can be pro-life and anti-racism we can be both at the same time you kind of have to be and you kind of have to be because that's kind of a pro-life issue actually racism yeah um yeah exactly we were talking about earlier about how people see each other in their hearts that that's building up a culture of death right um everything we do we need to think in you see i think the problem is and this is we think in a kind of enlightenment frame or in a, we don't think Catholicly. Yeah. <laughs> we To think Catholicly is to think in paradox and to hold things in tension and to say like, it isn't black and white because it actually, no, there's all these things that need, if you say just this, you've created an idol. Like if it's just pro-life. Now, you see, I know, I think this is part of the frustration people have. They're just saying, aren't you just proposing Slimus garment morality, which is everything is equal under it. And no, I'm actually not. Um, what we're trying 
I and I think I get what it's trying to get at. But the seamless garnet saw a truth that perhaps um, an excessive view of one thing kind of lost, which is that um, well, there's that a hierarchy of there, there is a hierarchy yes. of truths, right? And so if there's a hierarchy of truths. There is, um, but a these are not competing goods. Okay, just because something's a lower good doesn't mean it shouldn't be fought for. Okay, so they say it should only be pro-life. Like, well, no, because yes, we believe this, but these other truths are important to fight for. Perhaps, yes, more energy towards pro-life stuff. Absolutely. But it doesn't negate these lower things either. But what happens then if you say only this, you create a idolatry, which creates a counter-idol, which creates partisanship, and it creates division. And that has never been the Catholic way. You see, Catholic means universal we are here really for everyone. And yeah, I'm not saying there aren't truths in the church's teaching that shouldn't be upheld either. Absolutely. There are things that I think if you if you go against X, Y, or Z, you should be held to account by that, by the church. But we need to stop seeing different things in competition with each other. And that's the Catholic way. And that's what Jesus is trying to do. And are we open to hearing the challenge from him? Yeah. And this is, this is, I mean, uh, a priest, uh, in my seminary told me a thing that it haunts me every day. What he said, he said, a priest will be held account, a, a priest will be held accountable for what people hear. Yeah. Not for what he says. Hmm. A priest will be held accountable, not for what he says, but for what people hear. Yeah. And the difficulty I've had with talking about this sort of stuff is because people's minds, mm-hmm. because they're already, they're, idol is politics immediately runs to his father anthony asking me to vote for joe biden or donald trump it's like i actually don't care yeah i don't care in this much that it's not the thing i care about the most yeah the thing i care about most is your soul yeah and what i see is people not voting with an informed conscience based on their faith they try to fit their faith into their conscience which has been red or blue their entire lives yeah what I would like to see is for this part of people's lives to be crucified. Yes. What I see is whether you have whether you're giving your 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 uh, coin of Caesar to the blue guys or the red guys, you're still counting on those coins. Yeah. That's what worries me. Yes. More than the other stuff, because your eternal soul, I'm more worried about that than your votes. But the thing is, the way you approach these things does affect your eternal soul. And then what happens is, what you talked about earlier, if you gave a coin of the temple, you would be holding your party to account rather than holding your church to account. Mm-hmm. And that's where that's that's the inversion that needs to happen. I think part of it is it is a failure on the part of a lot of us for not teaching people how to think in a Catholic way. Yeah. We haven't oh, formed yeah, yeah. this. We haven't formed yeah. this at all. We just presume that because people are going to church and they say the right things, that they're thinking in a Catholic fashion. They're using a, but they're not using the logic of the faith. And I'm not. I, mean, I don't mean this as a judgment. I'm just because it's not your fault if that that's maybe the way you think sometimes. It, it's it's that we failed, and we and so now we're trying to pick up the pieces in this and say, hey, there is actually a deeper logic that reflects our faith because like the way i always look at it is this jesus is fully god and fully man right one person two natures the humanity 
it never limits the divinity and the divinity never overwhelms the humanity. Okay, this is good basic Christology. Yep. Because Jesus is God, is his humanity insignificant and should we ignore it? His divine nature is more important. It's greater, right? <laughs> yeah. It's greater. But does that make his humanity unimportant to us? Because that's, hey, guess what? That's how we talk sometimes about Jesus. Well, he's God. Doesn't doesn't matter. And they just ignore the humanity. You can't. Mm-hmm. Good Christology says, I take both realities seriously. And I have to take, and I have to honor them with with a great honor and respect and humility. The divinity and the humanity are not in competition with each other. So if that's the way we see Jesus, that has to trickle down into our logic of how we think about how we promote certain causes. Now, listen, when I'm saying this, I'm not saying like, you know, there are some people who work tirelessly for pro-life stuff because that's maybe their mission. That's great. But don't see the person who's also fighting racism as competition to that because they're doing their thing. And your guys are both working for the body of the church, which is one Christ's body. It's so let's, they're not in competition, just as Jesus's human and divine natures aren't in competition. They're in communion, as we've said right. before, right? As you're saying earlier, we're a family. We're a exactly. family together. The, the Herodians and the Pharisees set up a dichotomy for Jesus to choose. Yes. And both were wrong. Both were a trap. Yeah. Jesus breaks out of that system to point to a higher good. Yeah. That's what I want Catholics to do. Yeah. To stop seeing things as this either or, and instead to break out of that, to be a prophetic voice, to call whatever country you live in, whatever uh, community you live in, whatever parish you live in, to a higher good. Yeah. To point them to things eternal. Yeah. And yes, the way you get to things eternal is like by living and working in this world, by fighting for justice, by fighting for life. Absolutely. But we keep playing the game of the world. Yeah. Christ doesn't do that. Yeah. And also finally for Jesus, there isn't a separation between church and states or between politics, religion, economics. All these things are intertwined and we have to deal with all these things as Catholics, but they all need to be subservient to the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. I think that's good enough. That's good enough. I'm sure we. That's good. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure some people turned off, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, and, I, it, and that's the frustrating thing because I'm really like. Yeah. It's tough because like my genuine intention is not to tell you who to vote for. Exactly. I'm concerned about what is your thought process behind it and how is this affecting your soul. Yes. That is the thing that I care about. Yes. And if you're not gonna believe me then go ahead and believe I'm a bad priest. Yep. I can't change that. Amen. Amen. On that positive note. <laughs> yeah, and so good. So that was it. They're, like When this comes out, there'll be like a week before the U.S. election oh, is great. done. Um, also a reminder, and this is what I told people uh, at the end of, um, at, before the election four years ago in the U.S., no matter who wins, we're all going to die one day. And I find that incredibly encouraging. Yeah. Remember the things that are eternal. Everything is passing away. Jesus loves you. Okay. Amen. 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 Uh, thanks for listening. Please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me uh, eating doing hot a chips. minor exorcism on a garage, apparently. Yeah. Uh, you can find me at Fr Harrison. 
Contact the podcast and receive updates at ClericalPod on Twitter. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, or email us at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. Peace. God bless.